welcome to another episode of Strong Tea. I'm Vicky. And I'm Katie. And welcome to the next episode in our sex series. Oh, I'm so excited. Can you can you put in a boom, bow, bow, kind of in the background? Can you do I that? I like the idea of putting in, let's talk about sex, baby. Oh, yeah, that's But I don't know if there's like copyright and stuff. But oh. because I did that so badly, I don't think it'll be an issue. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Welcome. If you haven't joined us before, this is a bit of a taster of what all our other episodes are like as well. Um, We are Strong Tea and this podcast is all about talking about the things that we might find difficult to open up about and talk about. We cover things that some people consider taboo, controversial, but what we're trying to do is get the topics that we should be learning more about, definitely be talking more about out there for all of us to learn more Today is no exception because we have a fantastic guest, firm member of the Frong of the Frong Free, the Frong Free. Maybe we rename it. Wow, the Strong Tea Family, the Frong Free Family, (laughs) the Strong Tea Family. um, Our lovely Finn. But before we introduce him properly, as with every episode, what are you drinking, Finn? I today am drinking toast and jam tea. Legend. I love it. I just is love it, it is so it your, much. It's the Yorkshire tea one, yeah? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's so good. Well so done. good. Nice. No, no, no notes. That's no perfect. Notes. Yeah. Mm. Well yeah. done, Ken. Yeah. Five, yeah. five stars. Well done. Yeah. Thank you very much. Katie? <laughs> well, well, let's move on. Um, I've, <laughs> gone, I've gone for a Tea Pigs limited edition having breakfast pancakes. Oh. Mm. That sounds lovely. And instead of calling them tea bags, they call them tea temples on the box Ooh, i do like a tea pig yeah nice. yeah i do actually yeah they're nice and they are limited edition so i don't know if you can still get them now because i did get these a while back but um does it taste fulfilling because you've said pancakes does it fit not like you've eaten pancakes but is it kind of a party yeah. in your mouth yeah it's kind of like you know that sort of vanilla you know when you walk past a donut shop or you get a plate of pancakes and they sort of waft up Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. That sort of vanillary essence type sweetness. That's that comes from it, but it's not a sweet tea because I don't like sweet teas. So it's it's nice. It's it's got a good balance to it. Would recommend. Yeah, nice. I like mm. it when you've got a tea that's got a really nice smell like that. It's half, oh, the, yeah. half the experience, isn't it? Yeah, and if you well, leave then... it overnight, Finn, it backs up as a room freshener. Oh, I know this through trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the first time you left it it wasn't it wasn't a trial was it it was just a no, it's just an <laughs> error <laughs> what are you drinking Vic? i am drinking wild women tea club pick me up cowboy a firm favorite yes yes yeah apple pumpkin orange peel carrot turmeric cinnamon cacao cloves yeah it's it's like wow. my tummy's having a little warm hug being it does, stroked ever so gently. It does taste like one of the Alcopops from the 90s, doesn't it? It does. Mm. Yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. I, can't, I don't know which one, but that sort of... I think... Do you remember VK that came in the in the metal bottle? Yeah. yeah. That one. Yeah. I think you oh, might be yeah. right. I think you might be right. Oh, the days of clubbing and drinking those. I mean, <laughs> how much sugar was in those? They still make them. I it's, have seen them on shelves, I think, yeah. Because I remember things like apple sours and... Oh. Yeah, 2020? Oh, yeah, we've shown your age now, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah anyway. apple sours was a yeah, yeah. great shout. But I was watching the other day American Gladiators on Netflix. 
God, that took me back to the 90s. I used to love that. Yeah. American Gladiators. American Gladiators, where it all started. Yeah. I've never seen that. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, if you get the chance to watch it, it will take you back to the 90s, including the hairstyles and the outfits and and all of that. But it's it's a really good documentary about American Gladiators anyway. So is it pre, like, the UK Gladiators with, like, Scorpio and Cobra and... Yeah, these are the originals who started it all. Those unitards. Oh, there are unitards. Were just a little bit showy. Mm -hmm. We can talk about that because it's a sex episode, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um but yes moving on from the unitards let's talk sex so i'm gonna introduce finn and finn has joined us um very kindly for a couple of other episodes if you haven't listened to them yet you need to it's episode 28 and episode 41 get your luggles around them because they're wonderful episodes that we have had so much feedback about because Finn is one of those wonderful humans that is incredibly candid about his own personal experiences and just is kind of no holds barred which we'll we'll find out very much in this episode (laughs) um but let me just tell you a little bit about Finn if you haven't heard the previous episodes yet um, so I've, co- I've kept calling you Finn because that's how I know you, but you're Finley Games, yeah, also known as Finn. Um, and you've got just the most wonderful online family, haven't you, that have been I following have. for I'm a long, blessed. long time. <laughs> um, Finn was assigned female at birth, um, but is a trans man and is has the most wonderful journey. So this is why you have to listen to episode 41. Um, but Finn's also a recovering alcoholic and addict and has been in sobriety since 2010. So has had this huge journey and has been sharing each little part of it every step of the way with us. And it's just been brilliant. And today we get to talk about sex. <laughs> so very, very excited. So we're not going to delve into your trans journey too much because obviously we have already touched on that yeah. quite significantly in episode 41. But I guess probably the number one question we have to start this with is, as a trans man, is this something you get asked about a lot? Do people want to know about sex? Do they want to know about your body parts? Do they want to really get in there? They do. And this is a really strange one because I I never in a million years thought I'd be somebody that would be talking openly about sex and genitals. You know, this is not something I set out to do. And of course, now this is something I talk very openly about because, you know, I wrote a whole book about my penis and, you know, this, so my YouTube channel, I've got loads of videos about this. So this is something that I, I talk very openly about, but this is not something I set out to do. So when I first started transitioning, and I started to be very open about the fact that I was transgender. It was really difficult when people's first question to me would be, oh, so are you going to have a the, the surgery? Are you going to have a penis? And as somebody that had just come out and was just really anxious about being out, to be asked that question was just really intrusive, really embarrassing. Mm. But this is something that is a real problem that when you say you're transgender, it's so common that people then think that they can ask that question, what's in your pants? And actually, this was something that I'm always really careful to say when I talk about 
my phalloplasty that I say this is very different context. I'm a trans person that's chosen to speak openly, but it's a different context to when, you know, you're just somebody sharing openly. You know, when you tell somebody you're transgender, that's something really deep to share with somebody. That's not then the time to speak back to someone. Oh, so have you had the surgery? What's in your pants? That's a different context. So, you know, that's why when I share about my phalloplasty, I don't really talk so much about my penis itself I talk about like the lived experience around what it's like to have a changed body because that's the difference I think people can be obsessed about body parts but I think what's really important and what I kind of drop into when I talk about sex intimacy and my body parts is like that lived experience what it's like because I think yeah people are fascinated but there's a time and a place to be fascinated and certainly in the beginning I if you'd have said to me in five years time you're going to be really talking openly about sex your genitals and stuff i'd have gone no way am i because i wouldn't have set out like that but it's just the way it panned out for me but yeah it, it it's really hard that you know this is where people go and i understand people want to learn and ultimately that is actually why i wrote the book because there isn't this information but yeah people wanted to know you know I mean, especially because i've had lots of different situations through my trans journey in the beginning I was a trans man with a woman we were in a lesbian relationship before I transitioned so the questions were okay so you've transitioned so now how do you have sex and that's really personal for somebody to then start asking me but people were curious like okay so you were once lesbians so now you're a trans man how's your sex changed eek that's not for you to ask but people Mm. want to know and then, of course, I was single for a while. So people said, what are you going to do? How are you going to have sex with people? How? What are you going to do? How, what, what are you going to tell them? You know, so people instantly go there because people want to know because that's what they think about when you're dating. You know, what's in your pants? How are you going to have sex? And now, of course, I'm with I'm, I identify as a gay man. So people get really confused about, okay, so have you got a penis? And if you haven't, how does that work? And these are the questions people ask. And it can be really problematic that that's what people focus on and want to know. And it can feel really awkward because that you wouldn't ask those questions of somebody that wasn't transgender. You wouldn't walk up to somebody. And let's face it, there are differences with genitals is not something that's just about trans people every single person in the world has different genitals problems and differences with genitals happen to everybody and yet the focus is on on trans people and it's really awkward isn't it that you know that that kind of intimate conversation happens Mm. like randomly at trans people yeah it's it's difficult that went off on a ramble for me sorry but yeah it's it was really hard in the beginning and I always like to make this kind of difference that I do this for kind of a living and for awareness but as an everyday trans person it's not right (laughs) that the focus is Mm. this is what you're asking us it's not it's not on and I think probably we should have said this at the start of the episode, but the whole purpose of this episode is for that purpose. It's for educating people. It's to try yeah. and make people aware of what it's okay to say and what it's not okay. And if people want yeah. to ask, how can they ask, you know, with respect rather than being rude or invasive about it? Yeah. Now you've talked um, 
you said there never in a million years did you think you were going to be the person that was going to be you know hello this is my penis yeah. you have a whole book about it top to bottom which is fantastic and I was on channel four yes and that's my next yep. thing channel four documentary that you did I know where, <laughs> I mean I like I've said in the past when we were off air Finn I never thought I would say this to someone but your your penis is a work of art thank you very um, much you know <laughs> Putting it out there on TV was such an incredibly brave thing to do. I mean, I don't know many people that would be willing or openly enough to do that. And you did that for the purposes of education. What yeah. was that like? What's the sort of response been? Because as we all know, social media can be a horrible place. Mm. You know, so have you received sort of feedback from people saying, actually, that's really helped me with my, you know, my knowledge and where I want to go and because we it's also important to say that not every trans person wants to have surgery some don't have any surgery some have all of it and that's okay doesn't make you any less of the gender that you are exactly very good point that is exactly it's all about choice and that is why this education is really important so that people can make informed choices about what they want to do with their body because it's all about body autonomy and choosing what we need for ourselves the reason i decided to do the show was for exactly this reason because seeing and learning about phalloplasty and all different sorts of genital surgeries is one thing but it's exactly what i was saying about earlier it's understanding the emotion and the lived experience around it so the fact that i could show my phalloplasty result and share the story alongside so that people would understand why we go through the surgery, why we need it and why it's so life changing. If it had just been a show of look at my body, this is it. Mm. I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I got to say, show my story alongside so that people really understand, wow, this isn't some elective surgery. This is real life saving surgery, you know, so that's why I chose to do it. I've had such amazing response from it. The amount of feedback, messages, emails I've got from trans people who are looking to go through surgery, trans people who aren't looking to go through surgery, but are just so grateful for the kind of awareness. Uh, people like parents, friends, family are just having a more understanding of like where their young person can end up and knowing that, you know, that they can go through this and have like a happy, fulfilled life. There were some lovely comments about knowing, and, and it's funny for me because I'm, I'm considered old now, that, you know, that people you could get older and be happy, you know, because seeing images of older trans people who've gone through surgery and finished surgery and are just going on and living their lives, you know, you don't see that a lot, which is another reason why I did it. Because let's face it, I'm, I'm chubby, <laughs> I'm older, I'm greying, I'm not like some kind of perfect airbrushed image you know i'm i'm just an average bloke and you're not chubby surely you're a bear i'm a bear there you go i'm a bear (laughs) but i'm certainly i'm certainly not like you know your fitness model and i think that normality image was really appreciated by a lot of people as well Mm -hmm. and i had a lot of that The, the negative feedback i got was mainly from nudity there was lots of issues and I've come off Twitter now which you know I've been wanting to do for a long time because Twitter is just a hellhole it's the bog of eternal stench and I just needed a kick to get off Twitter really anyway but I mean there's been lots of media 
um, newspaper articles around this about the kind of moral panic around nudity in front of children. Now, I wasn't involved with that bit anyway, but I got kind of attacked around it anyway, that um, nudity in front of children was the problem that those young people that were seeing nude models and discussing bodies, that was what the real issue was. And I got a lot of targeted, nasty, nasty doesn't even really cover it, comments around that. And that was quite horrible. Some of my Twitter feed was just absolutely horrific, being called a paedophile, a groomer, some really awful stuff. Those young people were very wise very intelligent very insightful and it was really insulting to them to say that they weren't aware enough to make decisions about what they could and couldn't see and the fact is on that program everyone was put through like a really in-depth psychological evaluation did they want to do this it was all like consent all the models went through the same thing as well everyone that went on that show had like a background of kind of their own body issues and had reasons for wanting to kind of help other people, mm. you know, and to, it, I, I mean, obviously I can't speak for these young people, but I, I have background knowledge. And so I know that, you know, obviously these young people couldn't speak out for themselves on what was being said about them. And I feel really bad for them that, you know, they were people saying, Oh, you know, they, it's not right that these young people were subjected to these images and the damage it was going to do they must have been really angry behind the scenes because they there they were being really wise and talking about yeah. oh i'm now not going to change my body i realize i can accept myself and really learning from what they were seeing oh it made me really mad <laughs> that in this day and age you know you can't you, a naked body isn't inherently sexual it, it was just i couldn't believe that that was the real aspect that mm. people were losing their bananas over <laughs> i watched that episode mm. and the kids were kind of embarrassed and so on at first but as you said finn they soon asked questions and yeah. learned more i think the power of that and what you did was because people just sexualize things women can't go out topless because our our you know our boobs have been sexualized even yeah. though they're for feeding kids you know primates animals you know have mammary glands to feed children it's the society that has sexualized them and so what that program did for the kids and what you have done is taken that sexualizing away and gone right this is biology this is how it works this is what it is this is what it looks like sexualization aside this you know and why shouldn't we be comfortable with I think mm. it is a UK thing as well, because in a lot of parts yes. of Europe as well, it's far more comfortable with the naked form. That's a lot of the comments I was getting from people yeah. as well, saying, wow, I can't believe your country is responding like this yeah. to the nakedness. It's because over in our country, this wouldn't be the case, you know? Yeah. But I mean, from the chap that I did the naked exchange with, Lucian, mm. I mean, he was just so grateful. Unfortunately, they obviously cut a lot out of, of what we said. I mean, we had so much to talk about, but obviously they can only show so much. And um, so there was there was some feedback about, oh, you didn't speak the whole truth about all of your, um, uh, oh, words gone out of my head, complications I had, but we did. We spoke an awful lot about the fact that I'd had six surgeries when there's only three stages. And so he knew all of that, but obviously in a short show, there is yeah. stuff cut out. So, yeah. But I think, you know, he certainly went away with more knowledge and we're still in touch. 
and he learned a lot from it and I learned a lot from him and to be able to pass that knowledge on was just so incredibly powerful and mm. to see him as a young man having more choice now than I had at a young age and mm. and more knowledge than I had and to know that you know I've put this knowledge in the world now that wasn't there when I started my journey it's just a wonderful thing and more knowledge is better mm. this whole idea like oh no we can't show them this we can't show them that why yeah. knowledge is power you know yeah. if we want young people to make better decisions about their body to have better protections for themselves we need to empower them yeah. to know what's right to know what choices they can make to know how to say no to know what's right to know what's wrong we've got to give them this and that goes for nakedness and for trans people making choices about their bodies and what they do and don't want to do you know so and it's think, a body sorry. you know it's mm. a body what we've all got them I don't understand why you know we're we're just as we are it's yeah do you think that knowledge will help because the message that's coming through is very much that trans people tend to be sexualized as you said the first question what you got in your pants yeah it's yeah. that kind of sexualizing of a person because they're trans yeah it's sexualizing would, and yeah it, would you would you agree and, and do you think knowledge will actually kind of help with that destigmatize that yeah i think it's i don't I think it's just sexualizing i think it's objectifying because i think yeah. we don't we don't see the human and I, this is exactly what i try to do with all of my stuff i create i try and bring in the human with everything so when I do whenever I write when I do my YouTube videos when I do my talks I talk from a first-hand perspective so even when I'm doing like awareness talks I always do it from my story because I think when you humanize stuff people then start to relate better because the trouble is when you learn about trans things you just see it as an object so that's why people ask about our bodies. They're fascinated with how things work uh, and what things mean. But when you put the human in it, the human mm -hmm. element, that's where things start to change. And that's exactly what I meant about the show, because mm -hmm. you could see a body and a penis and how it works. But then if you talk about the person yeah. and what that person's been through, you then go, oh, my word. I didn't realize that trans people went through all that pain. No wonder they chose to have that surgery. Mm. No wonder they chose all those risks. Oh my goodness. I understand now that although that surgery is risky, it's far more risky to try living a life in all that pain. I get it now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And that's the thing. So yes, it's objectifying, but then if you give a story behind it, then it's less objectifying and it moves it towards the human, if that makes sense, I think. Yeah. So that's why I never do when I do my talks, I don't do like the kind of whiteboard and the kind of bullet points. This is the language. That's the language. I teach it within my own personal story because that's when people relate. We need to kind of bring the human element back into yeah. trans people. And because I think people forget that there's a human behind us, yeah. you know, all we see is an issue. Well, what people think is an issue. We're yeah. not an issue. We're humans. And that's what gets forgotten. I think that's one of the things with all the hate um, that comes through online is that the things that people say about the trans community, they don't, they don't yeah. sort of relate it to people. It's just like a blanket comment. And I think yeah. that can be incredibly harmful. So talking, we've talked a lot about the sort of physical side of it. And I know we're going to come on to that a little bit more later, but talking about sex, 
So, <laughs> I know, doing the dance. Um. How, what was your relationship like with sex before your phalloplasty? You know, talking probably maybe pre-trans, pre-transition mm. and sort of then after you transitioned, but before your surgery, you know, as a as a sort of journey, what's it been like? Really complicated, really complicated. So I was always attracted to men in the very beginning when I was still living as a woman and I was really, really attracted to men and I'd go out with men. And then in the very beginning, when it was like really exciting and first bit of the relationship, the sex would work. And then all of a sudden it would stop working. And I think as soon as that initial excitement went, it would start to feel really awkward again. And all of my relationships would break down because of the sex. I just started to feel off and awkward and it just didn't work. And I always said, if I could have a relationship without the sex, it would be fine. But I would have a sex drive and feel sexual, but it just wouldn't work. And this is one of the reasons I thought I was a lesbian, because I thought, well, I seem to be attracted to men, but the sex isn't working. So maybe I'm a lesbian. So I tried going out with women and that seemed to work better and I think that was because the the role I was playing was different. See, a lot of this is me kind of knowing what I know now and kind of looking back mm-hmm. because I started to use things like strap-ons, dildos, things like that. And using those helped. But again, I had this problem where the very beginning was better. And I think that because of the heightened kind of excitement, but as soon as that fizzled out, it was the same thing again. And I could never put my finger on what it was that would just feel awkward. I'd almost feel like kind of sick and wrong and it just, it just didn't work. So I was really confused that, you know, and I just thought, I thought there was something wrong with me. I honestly thought I was just broken in some way and something didn't work at all. That was kind of pre realizing I was trans And then when I kind of realized I was transgender and I came out, I was still with the same person I've been with at the time. We've been living as lesbians and I transitioned and I started to then use prosthetics at the time. And again, that was feeling better, but that still wasn't quite right. Um, And then we split up. And it's now that I realize that I needed to have lower surgery to realize that I'm gay. <laughs> and it, this is so complicated because I think I've, I've always, I am a little bit attracted to women. I, I wouldn't ever call myself bisexual or attracted to women. I think I, I have certain women I could be attracted to, but I'm predominantly gay. So, but I couldn't have a relationship with men with the body I had because it just didn't fit. I think some people can because they clearly do, because lots of trans people don't have surgery. But for me, I needed to have the Mm -hmm. body I have now. I needed to have lower surgery. And I think for me, what needed to happen was I needed my body to be right in order to then be able to know who I was attracted to. Because once I started to have lower surgery, 
and my body started to change, I then started to feel more comfortable in who I was flirting with mm-hmm. and like the the feedback started to feel very different when I was flirting with people. And then when I was in the middle, I think you've read my book, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that you'll know that in the middle of my surgery, which is the last thing I expected to happen, I started to have this mad kind of summer of love thing happening where I started to just experiment. And I never expected that to happen, but I just started to see different people and have intimate, relationships with people just even before my phalloplasty was finished and that was because I just started to feel really really comfortable even though I couldn't have sex at the time because I didn't have the implant to get an erection because I had a penis and it felt my body felt right I felt more comfortable in like intimate relationships with people and yeah, that's when I started to really know who I was. And I think that was the difference that beforehand I was having sex with men with a body that didn't feel right. And I was having sex with women mm-hmm. with a body that didn't feel right. And once my body started to feel right, then who I was with started to feel right. And I think I could start to ask for the kind of touch I wanted that felt right. And I could start to touch myself in ways that felt right. And I think that was the key because I didn't really know what I liked, didn't know what to ask for, because my body was just something that felt really, really alien. And yeah, it, it's just continued to grow as, I mean, I honestly thought I would have to wait till I finished phalloplasty for any kind of intimacy to happen. But that's that's surprisingly not what happened. It started in the middle of my surgery, which was surprising, but makes sense, I think. I think I started to have my own kind of sexual awakening as my body started to change and it's discontinued ever since it was bizarre I have to ask a question I know Vicky's got probably a very intelligent question to ask but I need to ask something because I don't know the difference what's the difference between a strap-on and a prosthetic a strap-on is just like a pair of pants that's got a, a dildo in the front of it whereas a prosthetic it's pretty much the same thing really it's just it looks more like a penis it's actually and it it's designed more for trans men so it a, a strap-on feels it's more like a lesbian attachment whereas a, a prosthetic is more like right. a, a trans man thing i had something called a peacock which is designed to be worn all the time so you can use it as a stantipede device and it's got a little attachment in it which then can make it erect to use for sex so it's like something you wear all the time so you can use it and you wear it throughout the day fascinating yeah you i'm gonna have to google it (laughs) yeah it's an amazing little thing yeah i'm on mute sorry um what you have talked about there with exploring sexuality in order to understand who you are that's a hell of a journey in itself to get to where you are now, which is in a position that a lot of cis folk don't find themselves in, where they're purely comfortable with themselves to know how to be touched, know how to touch themselves, know, you know, be comfortable with sex. So I think you your journey is fascinating. And when you were describing it, you can totally see why trans people have such a how do I explain it? traumatic time trying to navigate is it because I'm gay 
Is it because I'm bi? Is it because I'm in the right? You can see yeah. how all the dominoes are stacking up before they can kind of get to the end. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was so confused. I mean, exactly that. I mean, I had the growing up, I had the, okay, so am I gay? Am I am I, am I, am I a lesbian? And then when I realised I was trans, then it's like, oh, okay, so now what's going on with my sex life? What, what's what's going on here? It, it's so confusing because it's it makes you question yourself all the time. So I knew I was trans, but still the sex wasn't working. Oh, okay, it's because I need a penis. And and it's just, yeah, and it's so confusing. And then, as I say, not everybody wants to have lower surgery. So then you have to work out, okay, so how does it how is this going to work so every it's so difficult i mean of course every person goes through this kind of who am i attracted to but for us trans people it's even more confusing but as i said i have to stress that not everybody and you've said it as well not everybody has lower surgery but every one of us then has to go through this process of okay so how do i get in touch with my body in a way that i'm comfortable to be intimate with myself and others with the parts that i have and knowing who I'm attracted to. And it's just for me that the only way to do that for me personally was I knew I needed a penis. Mm. And that penis for me opened up a door where I was like, I'm gay. And it it does make me laugh and everyone around me that I always said I am not gay. <laughs> and, you know, I, I am the campus row <laughs> of tents in the world and it's so obvious i'm gay and looking back i mean it's always been men mm-hmm. i mean i've i'm talking in the book about um the sexological body worker and i think with her it was such a special relationship that i was so lucky to meet her and the things she taught me have just opened up something so special that if I hadn't met her I think it would have been completely different it was just such a serendipitous event to have met her and you know I think that there are certain special people that I think I probably would date I think because I'm trans I'm so open to saying I don't think gender and sexuality are that set so I do identify as gay, but I would never say never. I mean, I love Chris and I can't see me ever not being with him. But at the same time, I'm always loath to say I'd never sleep with a woman. Do you see what I mean? Because mm. I just think mm. I'm the, the longer I kind of live and learn and grow, the more I think, I don't know if we can say that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, but yeah, she was just so incredibly special and, I always try and pass on what she's taught me when I make videos and talk about, you know, my updates about the way that my sensation is still changing, you know, and I talk about that a lot and I try and pass on what she taught me because my words, if I hadn't learned to get in touch with my body, the way that she taught me, you know, I think all trans people, I think all people need that. Every single person could do with a sexological body worker to help them get in touch with themselves. But I think as trans people, especially because we're so, cut off from our bodies because we've because it's just been so painful and then when we go through transition and we start to be okay with connecting with our bodies we don't really know how I mean you know I woke up with a penis there's no manual you know so then what do you do Apart and from then the book. well yeah <laughs> 
well, yeah, there's the manual. There you go. Read my book. There's the manual. <laughs> and then you, you've suddenly got to like learn how what to do with it. And mm. most most boys grow up with it, and then they have some fumbles at like seventeen. If they're you know they've been good, seventeen, eighteen, and they have a few fumbles. And here was I at forty, whatever, and I'm supposed to know how to drive it. And <laughs> it was just, as you say, traumatic. It, it is. It does feel really traumatic. And my first attempt was just an absolute awful shit show and i was absolutely devastated and i thought that's it I, i'm just you know it was horrible <laughs> if i'm if i'm honest the second was much better but the first was just like i had this big expectation of like it's gonna be amazing i couldn't get it in didn't know what to do <laughs> oh. you know and my partner was absolutely lovely um that's in the book i don't share much about me and chris personally because mm. Obviously, I'm so open, so I have to have some boundaries. So when it comes to me and Chris, I have what's in the book and the rest is private. So I have the one story of me and him in the book where our first attempt, I just could not work out how to get it in. (laughs) I just couldn't do it. Couldn't get the position, couldn't do anything. I ended up in absolute floods and tears, having the biggest dysphoric moment I'd had for years um and i just said that's it i'm still a woman <laughs> i'm never gonna be a bloke this was all a waste of time and he's like you are not a woman love <laughs> <You're> not <laughs> a woman. um and he was just absolutely lovely and really caring and then you know we tried again a few days later and it was absolutely lovely and fine and you know and he said look you are just a young boy you know young boys have those mistakes well done time. yeah well done yeah. you've just had your first mistake that's a rite of passage. You're just thinking that you're this age and you should know what you're doing. Of course you're not. You're that age and you've just had your rite of passage. Stop it. You're fine. You know, so, but of course it's different, isn't it? Because, mm. you know, you think it's going to be this wonderful thing and it's fine now. But yeah, it's, um, we don't have anyone to go to for this and there isn't the support and we've got each other, but we're all like the blind leading the blind because it's literally wake up there's a penis now what do we do (laughs) you know it's really interesting you talked about um let me uh get this right sex sex sexological body worker yeah Mm -hmm. so and it was actually my question that i was going to ask um how do you learn intimacy because of course this is not just a case of you've woken up with a whole additional body part because you have but it's it's becoming comfortable with you and your body again after so long of being like I'm in the wrong body but then also the actual literal mechanics of how it works so how do you how do you learn how do you learn intimacy and how do you learn to get that that's you learn how it works (laughs) etc lots of time on your own (laughs) and an account with love honey um (laughs) honestly that's what you do and um and a password for when you're in a room on your own and your partner doesn't come in so that's that that's what you do it's really important to do that so that's what i have done and i still do and experiment lots on my own because obviously there was lots of I didn't really touch myself that often beforehand. And when I did, it was very quick to to reach a goal. 
whereas now it's all about like oh this feels different or oh, that feels different this is changing because over surgery over that time my penis would change every single surgery the sensation would change every single surgery so everything was always changing so it was a case of always re-exploring and even now sensation is still growing and changing each time so it was a case of like constantly just you almost have to like forget how it was before we do this thing and our brains do it because it's easier because of the, how the wiring is where we know something is a certain way so that's how it remains unless we look again and we have to really work hard to look again so what i mean by this is like there were certain areas of myself i knew were safe to touch and i would stick to them and you have to kind of go, OK, but you've got to look at the other areas, even if they were difficult, like areas underneath my balls, which used to be my vagina. Right. So trying to look again at that area and learn that it's not actually your vagina anymore. It's closed. Let's just explore it as a completely different area and get your brain to just stop seeing it like that and see it as something new. And that's what I gradually started doing so that. And I talked about it it's in the book about how my my genitals were kind of in compartments almost like there were bits that were safe to touch that had hard areas. As long as you don't go over that, it's safe. Then I don't feel dysphoria. Touch that bit. Fine. Move into that area. Dysphoria feels awful. So it was about kind of gradually touching different areas and being OK, like they bury the clitoris. So I used to call my clitoris my T-dick. So I wouldn't touch that bit because it would be like, well, that's my old part. So stop seeing it like this is old part and this is new part and start seeing it. This is just my genitals. So gradually just start exploring different areas. And eventually it just became one penis. Is this making sense? Yeah. It might, no, yeah, I'm, I'm just deep in what you're saying because I don't think I'd ever considered that before that after phalloplasty or any uh, trans surgery, that there would still be an element of dysphoria or triggering. I just, yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. The brain is still there, isn't it? Until yeah. you reteach it. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, you know, if I lift up and touched under my penis, I had a lot of trauma around that area because I had a bad experience on one of my surgeries where I'd got an infection and they'd opened up under there after being closed up so that I could pee under there because my urethra had gone wrong and I didn't know they'd not told me it, it I had a really awful experience I had to take it out of the book because um I wasn't allowed to put in detail what happened because I would have got in trouble um but yeah I had a really bad experience at hospital so that area was really triggering for me and so I experimented with that with with that sexological body worker we did some work around it and it's now one of my favorite areas to touch under there. I can't remember the name for it on a cis man under your penis, like between the penis and the balls. Uh, 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 perineum. That's perineum. it. Yeah. That's it. Obviously, that's not that on me, but it's a really nice place to touch for me now. But for a while, it was still the vagina where they've closed it up, whereas now it's not. And I don't think of it as old area, new area. It's just a really nice place to touch. 
and where they've buried my clitoris underneath, I can still feel my clitoris get an erection, but I no longer kind of call it my T-dick or my old area, whatever. It's just like a second erection. And I don't, I don't think about it as anything other than like a, a base erection or something like that. You know, it, it's just gradually I've got these other parts that are just, I mean, if, if I'm a man has got a man's got a penis, he must have, well, I know, because I've got a partner, he's got certain areas that are like, that's really nice to touch. That's really nice to touch. That's just the same with me. Mm-hmm. It's just they used to be other things that they've now been made into a penis and parts of my penis. And that's it. And like my labia, which are now my balls, they're just my balls. And I don't think about them as like labia, they're just my balls. And that's gradually what I've done is just by touching and playing and looking and getting a mirror down there and just with different like a, a gentle vibrator on there I'm, I'm feeling different things what does this sensation feel like with closed eyes with open eyes looking at it not looking at it that is how I've gradually just kind of broken down barriers like actual kind of real barriers because that's what it feels like like compartments of a penis into just like one whole area that's how i've done it and it's just yeah now it's just a penis that's been reconstructed rather than just you know it it just feels like i was born without it and they've reconstructed it and that's it apologies my dog getting overexcited then um you have a question I did. I she did have. She's naffed off now. Um, <laughs> it's, it sounds like a, a journey in itself, trying to become acquainted um, with, you know, your new penis and everything else around it. Yet alone, what your, you know, what the sexual sensations are. For the benefit of our listeners who haven't read your book, who didn't watch, se- um, not sex education. Yeah, sex education. Naked, Naked education. education, not sex education. That's a series, but that's also good. <laughs> um, could you uh, just tell us how the phalloplasty has been designed to have sex? Yes. So I have a three part implant device, which means I have a kind of a tube through my penis. And then I have a reservoir in my lower abdomen and a pump in one of my testicles. When I pump my testicle, saline solution from the reservoir goes into my penis, into the the little tube, which causes it to get erect. And I can then press the button on my testicle to then deflate it. So then when it's erect, I can have penetrative sex. That's how it works. So I literally pump my testicle to get an erection and then press a button to release. That's it. It's anchored to my pubic bone. And as you were saying earlier, that does take a bit of a bit of work to learn how to pump that up. How long does it take? It's about three squeezes to get an erection. Right. Okay. This might be a really stupid question. Can you ejaculate? No. Right. Although... If you can ejaculate before you have surgery, if you are somebody that can do that, and when you have the vaginectomy, the skein glands are still intact, some trans men find that they do produce some fluid still. Oh, interesting. Yep. I don't. I don't. Did you find, when you try, obviously 
you talked about experimenting on your own and getting used to what that was like. When you were in a sexual scenario with a partner and you're thinking, oh my God, I got to pump this and I've got to press that and I've got to do that. Does that kind of take away from the moment or are you just like, I'm guessing you're that in tune with a partner that you would just be like, look, there's a lot of new shit going on down here. (laughs) Yeah. In the very beginning, yeah, it's weird because in the beginning, there was a lot of fumbling and what the hell's going on. Chris will not touch it because obviously for a cis man, squeezing your testicle is like, oh my God, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) So like, there's no way he's doing that. So yeah, he's like, you do that. Now I can do it without even like thinking about it. But in the beginning, it was very much like, what's going on here? What, what am I doing? And I had to really think about it. But now I can I can do it with my eyes closed. But something I worked out midway through was like, well, usually you've got an erection already and that's what gets someone going. So I figured out a little while into it, it's like, oh, hang on a minute. What I need to do is get an erection first. And when Chris is asleep, roll over and jab him in the back with it. <laughs> That's what I need to do. Ah, <laughs> uh, the old roll and jab. Yeah, <laughs> the old roll yeah, and jab. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's kind of like thinking about things like that. So yeah, I mean, I'll either like when we're kind of kissing, I'll just sort of like lean down and I can pump it up like that. <laughs> or um, yeah, if he's asleep, then yeah. <laughs> that is such a good sign, isn't it? I th- I think yeah. I yeah. don't know why I just said that. Yeah, I just, I kind of in my head that sounded, <laughs> yeah, that is such a good way of doing it, of preparing. Because as you say, it's, yeah. yeah. So I'm just, I'm not imagining it. I know it looked like I was just imagining <laughs> it then. I do apologise. It's fine, Ricky. It's fine. You're in the zone with it. It's not a problem. The, <laughs> the only thing with these devices that is the problem is they don't have a very long shelf life. They can malfunction within about five years so five to ten years is their shelf life that is the problem so it's like do you consistently have to go and get it checked or do you have to get it replaced or what if it depends what breaks on them but yes then that you'll have to either go and get a bit of it replaced or the whole thing replaced i know oh yeah that's going to be surgery yes i probably would not get mine replaced because of my me I don't think I've managed the surgery. Mm. So I don't know. They need to come up with a more long-term solution. There is yeah. a, what they call a um, a rigid device that's that you can bend into position that lasts longer. But I like the feeling of a kind of natural erection. I, do you know what I love to do is stand up and just waggle my penis left to right. So it hits my thighs. One of my favorite things to do in the entire world. I, I would not want to have like a semi solid erection all the time. I love to like swing <laughs> in the breeze. Isn't that something all men love to do? Yeah, the helicopter, Windmill. right? Yeah, yeah exactly. The, <laughs> I, my ambition was to be at a helicopter. So yeah, no, I, I can't have a solid thing. So <laughs> I mean, oh like the the thought of going through all of that. I mean, I know you said that the the standard procedure is three surgeries, but you had to have yeah. more. Obviously, it's quite an invasive piece of surgery. Yeah. The thought that that's only going to last five to ten years, then you're going to have to go back. I'm guessing it's not easy surgery either. No, they'd have to. It, it depends what broke on it. You see, if it was just the pump. But I mean, for me, having a chronic illness, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk, mm. especially, I mean, I'm, I'm 49, I'm coming up 50, I'm not well, I wouldn't 
go for it. This is the thing, isn't it? We always have to balance up because every single surgery has a risk. And it's about weighing up what's the bigger risk. And for me, it was worth all the risk to go through phalloplasty to have this wonderful penis I have now. Going through another surgery, it wouldn't be enough risk for me. The, the thing is, sorry, enough benefit for me. The thing is, the good thing is with um, being a trans man, I don't need an erection to have an orgasm. You know, I can still masturbate with a non-erect penis. Um. Me, you know that's the thing we don't need to have an erect penis to to orgasm so there's ways around that i mean i can't have penetrative sex mm. but there is so many ways to have sex and intimacy without penetrative sex so that's can, that's can fine I, can i inquire as to your penis's birthday see that's difficult because i've had so many surgeries isn't it so it was the 17th of august 2017 i had my stage one so that's technically his birthday because that's when his little heart was beating <laughs> so yeah so that would be the 17th of august 2017 i told you about that didn't i, I had a little doppler on him so when you have stage one you have an artery because you have your, your skin graft taken from your forearm but they also take a main artery for blood flow and that has to have full-time monitoring to make sure that the blood flow is continuing. So when they put you in the intensive care afterwards, they come and take the blood flow measurement like quite frequently in the beginning. They put like a little Doppler on. So when I kind of was coming around, all I could hear was boom, 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 boom. And it was like, like the baby's heartbeat. And I was like, what's that? And I knew that this was going to happen, but hadn't connected that it was going to sound like a baby's heartbeat. And I looked down to see the nurse with my penis in her hand taking its heartbeat. And I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, that was his birthday. Is it wrong to send a birthday card? <laughs> <laughs> no, go for it. He'd love it. <laughs> so does it like straight off the bat, that first surgery, because you talked about the intricacies, especially in your book, and I know we touched on it briefly. Brief touched on it is probably the incorrect terminology to use, but we've spoken about it briefly about the different stages that there are. But do like on that first surgery, you look down and you have a penis. Yep, it's that straight away. Yeah, but it's just literally a sausage at the beginning. There's no shape because they don't create the glands the, the um, head of the penis until stage two so stage one it's just very very basic and there's no stent to pee to, um, they don't do the hookup until stage two so it's very very basic stage one and how long do you but have to wait between stage one and stage two i waited just a year i have to say now the waiting lists are horrendous i was really really lucky to get all of mine done in three years now you're lucky if you can get an appointment within three years, let alone a surgery. It's horrendous, the waiting lists at the moment. It's absolutely awful. But I had roughly about a year between stages. So I was very, very lucky to go through like I did. But I have to say, I mean, this is the thing. I've, I, I I do speak about this on my YouTube as, as much as I can without getting banned, that you can masturbate with your penis right from day one, one once, once you've got it. And I have I did that right from day one. But you have to do it in very different ways. And this is what's really complicated about lower surgery and sensation and orgasm and making choices. Because when it comes to the clitoris, when it comes to sensation, you never know how much you're going to gain. So they hook up 
nerves so that you get erotic sensation and tactile i have got a little bit of tactile not that much but plenty of erotic so you can if you keep the clitoris unburied if you're i'm trying to have to do this because we're talking and i need to show this somehow or, or try and visualize it so what you need to do is obviously hit the clitoris to make sure you get sensation because if you haven't got sensation in the penis, you need to masturbate in a way to hit the clitoris. So in the beginning, that's what I was doing, but still masturbating with my penis. And that's how it's evolved as it's gone on. But now I've got enough sensation that I don't have to do that, if that makes sense. Got it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is what I'm saying about you don't need an erection to mm. to actually orgasm. So... Yeah, right from right from day one, even though nothing was finished or, you know, it was just a basic penis, I've been able to have pleasure with my penis right from day one. But I had to experiment with how to make that happen by using my old equipment in combination with my new equipment mm. from day one and, and kind of find ways to do that. What what would you say? Um and I know you did touch on this briefly in your book, but what would you say to trans folk out there who are maybe struggling with that identity? Um, you know, if they have had surgery, if they haven't had surgery, just it's it's such a hard, I'm just talking because of the um, conversations we've had with you and other trans folk. The, the transition itself as a physical entity is hard enough but mentally you've had to suffer for so long with that dysphoria and now all of a sudden you're trying to learn again what would you say to people about sex in this instance about people that are trying to really get comfortable I guess I think just give yourself a break and take time because I think that's what I did wrong in the very beginning with that first failed attempt was trying to jump into a 40 year old man's shoes when I'd not been a 17 year old boy. Mm -hmm. And what I needed to do was give myself a break and give myself time to learn. And that's, you know, just take time with yourself first, get to know yourself, experiment with yourself, be gentle with yourself, learn with yourself. And then, you know, when you find someone you connect with, just really take your time. You know, there's no need to rush it. If you find somebody that you really connect with that will respect you and be considerate, that's what, you know, that's, that's, that's when you connect with someone, just don't rush in, just give yourself the respect and time and find someone who does the same because, you know, this is early days and you can't expect to just know how to do these things you know re remember that you are that person that's very very young no matter how old you are in terms of your body and your learning you are very very young so just be gentle with yourself give yourself the time and love and respect and whoever you're with demand that same love mm. and respect as well because you know you deserve it and you deserve to be treated that way and don't do yourself any more damage by going with anybody that won't treat you that way. That's the biggest thing I would say, because I think often we don't give ourselves the love and respect we deserve. And then we often get ourselves in situations with people that treat us badly. So give yourself the love and respect you deserve and make sure whoever you give yourself to is giving you that same love and respect you deserve as well, because that's where healing happens and where magic happens. And you have these amazing experiences that you can grow and learn with. Great advice. Great advice. Yeah. yeah.
as you know, Finn, because you've done this many times now, we <laughs> offer our guests the final sip. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> can't say we didn't warn you or give you the homework <laughs> i know so what parting words would you like to leave with our listeners any further advice anything you'd like to to talk about hopefully related to this but anything in general you know anything you want to leave an impression about um i just want to say that i suppose that you know it, it's it's bodies it's sex this is just normal you know and i think we all worry about talking about this stuff and feel awkward around this stuff and we shouldn't and i think especially for trans people we need to be able to talk about this we desperately need to be able to talk about this and be okay with it you know we need it don't we more than anyone and to remember that trans people haven't got the monopoly on feeling weird about sex everyone does it's easy to think oh it's only me it's only me it isn't you know and we aren't the only ones that have got genitals that are different that work differently everyone has you know there are so many people that have also got uh, maybe they've got a micro penis or they've got a penis that's too big and doesn't work you know or people who've got awkwardness around sex so it's all about having open honest conversations with people and realizing that you know if there's connection there what's in your pants will actually not matter it Mm. won't matter one Mm. bit if you connect, you'll connect and it will be fine. So take a deep breath, trust and go out there and be brave. You never know what you'll find. I think we're going to steal all of that as the bio for the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sound bite, sound bite. Right. Thanks for that. If anyone watched Naked Attraction as well, they would know that just everyone looks different, don't they? Do you remember yeah. that program? Yeah. I could, I could never get my head around that. I was like... Are you going to show someone your funny first before you show it <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, each to their own, that's fine. <laughs> Anna Richardson is amazing. That's the only reason I said yes, because they asked me so many times and I kept saying no. And then I saw that Anna Richardson was involved. I went, oh, actually, okay then. She's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Anna Richardson's amazing. Yeah. We had a bit after the show that um I showed her the erection because obviously you can't show at that and Lucian had wanted to see it and I said do you both want to see my erection so I I, I pumped it up and Anna went can I have a look underneath I said yeah go on then so she got down on the floor and was underneath my penis going so where's your glitterous and she's uh, it's a bizarre moment where Love I've got it. my legs akimbo <laughs> Anna Richardson's underneath my legs going wow it was just can like I have an autograph? <laughs> so bizarre it's so funny <laughs> so funny that's amazing oh i know which show you're talking about though katie you're talking about naked attraction where people show their bits before they go on a date is that right yeah i think i've seen bits of it and and that's naked that's naked attraction yeah i got really confused aren't they there was the glass and the glass comes up yeah 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 i watched a part of that and i didn't i got confused i didn't quite understand what it was well no because i was i was watching it and i was just like I can, you know, it it highlight it just highlights when you're watching it just how different people's mm. bodies are. I mean, anyone who watches porn thinks everyone looks the same, they all look beautiful and pretty yeah. and all nice and pristine, and all of a sudden you're like, "Whoa, look yeah. at this! Look at this! You know, this doesn't look like this, and those boobs don't look like that." And you know, and all of a sudden it just opens up your eyes, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, everyone is totally yeah. different, and, and what people find attractive. Yeah, so people yeah. find 
different things attractive so don't just think of perfect is everyone's flavor i know i know i know yeah i know we worry far too much don't we we do we do and on that note finn thank you so much for joining us again i love chatting with you too it's just so good and we got to see captain pep at the beginning he's passed out oh yeah i was open one eye and looked to me like that don't be a good boy We've got three sound engineers in today. We've got Captain Pip, Barney, and Cherry is in as well. So, you know, we've been <laughs> spoilt, really. And obviously, we've been so good with the production of this show because none of them have had to say anything. Cherry just wanted to ask a question, didn't she? She did. She did. She, she's piped down now. She knows her place. <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us, Finn. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for today's episode. If you like what you've heard, then go to our website and you'll find a supporters page where you can buy us a coffee or buy us a tea. Yorkshire jam and toast has Mm, now mm, gone mm. to the top of my list. So, yeah. Yeah. So, without further ado, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from her. (laughs) Take care, everyone. Thanks ever so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.